All right, everyone, welcome to the Above Average Football Fan Podcast for above average football fans and below average football fans who want to learn more about the game, or if you're a football junkie, this is the podcast for you. We're glad you're here, and we hope you enjoy it. Good morning, afternoon, or evening. Here we are for episode 12, season two of the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast. I am here as always, with the best VP and pledge trainer Greek life has ever known, the only person I'm calling for a Tuesday night rager, Mr. Andrew Drawsdag. How are you, my friend? Oh, man, you threw it back. You threw it way back. <laughs> oh, thanks for letting me drive there. Now I'm going to turn it over to you, sir. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. That is, uh, holy moly. All right, all right. That threw me off my game. Here we go. All right. I, I see what you were saying last week about how that can that can kind of sidetrack. <laughs> yeah. Right. Here we go. We are here. All right. So we are going to talk some college football. Uh, slight uh, programming note here. We instead of a game of the week this week, uh, the first college football playoff rankings came out. Uh, there's been a lot to talk about with that. There's a lot of people who have some disagreements with the committee and Thomas and I are two of those people. So we are both going to make our case for some teams that we feel got left out wrongly. But before that, we will get into the South Carolina uh, and Florida game and the Clemson and Louisville game, uh, starting off with Clemson. But first, Thomas, we're going to go right back at the beginning here with what the world from Emory Ockberger, my niece. And we're going to start that off with Iowa, Iowa. What the world were you doing or have you been doing? So let's talk about this. How, what happened? Like how I just, I'm, I'm literally at a loss for words. What was it? Three weeks ago, I was undefeated and, and playing, I guess playing Penn state. And we were thinking, okay, this might be Iowa's chance to get in the playoffs. And wow, that's not happening. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's wild. And it's really, um, you know, as long as Kirk, Ferentz, Ferentz, whatever syllable you want to put the emphasis on there. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's been there forever. The guy's a legend and his son, yeah, his son, Brian Ferentz, who's the OC, that guy, you want to talk about OCs that are catching some heat right now. Yeah. I believe last I saw Iowa fans had started a petition to get him canned. And I've actually got a good buddy who's from Iowa. He's a diehard Iowa fan. And I was talking to him about it. He puts it squarely on Brian as well. He was like, got to get him out of there. But he's essentially like a tenured professor now. As long as Kirk's there, Brian's going to be there. Absolutely. And, I mean, that's just craziness. Um, you know, I just I, that, that to me was the biggest what the world. Like, Iowa, what are you doing? Um, you know, I mean, listen, Wisconsin uh, had a good friend who passed away this year. Tragically, big Wisconsin fan from Wisconsin. So, I believe Brent saw that one and liked it. Um, but – you know, shout out Brent Jerome, good man up in heaven too soon. But, you know, the Wisconsin Badgers did it for him last week. Um, the other what the world is really not a what the world. You and I have been talking for a couple of weeks now, really since the beginning of the season, who are the Heisman front runners? And, and, and we said, you know, no one's really come out and, and put themselves out there. Kenneth Walker III said, hello, Heisman voters uh, up in East Lansing last Saturday. He had five touchdowns, over 200 yards rushing. Is that Am I saying that correctly? I think, I think he finished right at 197, so we'll, okay. call it, we'll call it 200. Yeah, we'll call it 200, but five touchdowns. I mean, goodness gracious. Wow, that is a 
job right there. That man carried the mail. Uh, that is amazing. Uh, you know, to me, that's got to be, you know, you always hear about the Heisman moment, the Heisman game, the Heisman, you know, thing that stands out. And, and it that was his game. I mean, you're, you're playing Michigan. It's Michigan, Michigan State. And by the way, things got salty. Did you see any of this during the week? Oh, yeah. Oh, Michigan yeah. and Michigan State, like former players and whatnot, they were going at each other. Um, one of the players from Michigan State got up on the podium at the press conference. I can't remember who it was, and was just laying some wood to some folks, saying thanks for the motivation. And and it, that thing, they were calling him little brother. Michigan was getting called. Uh, Michigan State was getting called little brother. Taylor uh, Lewin, I believe, is his name. Uh, he's he's actually you know coincidentally Jatavion Clowney's little brother. Um, but <laughs> well played. That uh, you know that ooh, man that was some fun stuff to watch right there. That game will be heated next season. Um, so you know that Walker has solidified himself in my mind as going to New York and you know continuing a strong season. Really a strong chance to win this sucker. What do you think on that? Yeah, and we talked about it last week. You 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 hit it the nail on the head that you know this this game could be Walker's big Heisman moment to make himself a lot of money and really put himself at the forefront of that. And boy, did he do it! Um, I will say I, I liked I enjoyed it even more considering that I was starting him in fantasy this week, playing my big brother and smashed my big brother wow. on the heels of Just that. Lots of little brothers getting some love, man. I'm liking it. <laughs> I'm like, but, we can uh, plan that. It's, it, it was that, that game. I, I said it last week that it, it's been a long time since I was ex, as excited as I was for a Big Ten game, but that game had everything that I wanted. It, and it was, it was, it, it was a, a slugfest. And then I thought that Michigan was going to pull away. Next thing I know, walk out of the room for two minutes, come back. It's a game again. And, and it was great. And it was just like you said, too, was. This game felt like going into it that it could be one of those heartbreak games where a team is driving and has a chance to tie it or win it and then fumbles it or throws a pick or something like that. And that's exactly what it felt like. It was a it was a great game to watch. Yeah, it was. And that was exactly how it ended, uh, with a with a pick to to end it up for Michigan State got that pick. So, you know, very good game. I you know, to me, it's gotta be pretty close to up there to game of the year this year. Um, we still got four-ish weeks to go, um, you know, in the regular season. But uh, that was pretty strong uh, showing for game of the year. Um, I think I said game of the week a second ago. Anyway, all right, so we're going to take a look at Clemson going on the road to play Louisville. Thomas, I, I promise you this will be my shortest breakdown of an offense, maybe until we get to Carolina, but there's a little bit more to talk about there <laughs> with some, some things. But I, Clemson, Tony Elliott – DJ, what the world, guys? What the world? Because <laughs> not only have we been laying a big stinky egg, nothing's changed. Uh, I, when I watch Clemson play, I see an offense that is grasping at straws and, and not going in any particular way. Like it just stands out to me that they're not really – making changes. And to me, that's a sign of, you know, sorry, Clemson fans did, you know, and I'll say it about our own offensive coordinator here. When we talk Gamecocks sign of bad coaching, um, make adjustments, put your players in a position to make plays. And I see Clemson running the same stuff over and over again. So I'm going to say the same thing I've been saying for weeks now, 
try to find a way to establish the run, get DJ some easy reads. And it might be time, it might be time, Tony, to get tricky and, and, and throw some tricks out there. But listen, this is they Clemson could lose this game easily. They, you know, minus the end of the game, which was crazy. We'll talk about that in a second. Clemson Florida State's ending. They looked just awful on offense for three and three quarters. You know, I mean, it was bad. So, Thomas, what does Louisville's defense look like this week? What do they need to do to stop this mess? Because, I mean, to me, they just need to play good fundamental football. You're, you're probably right about that. But at the same time, you, you know, got to give credit where credit's due. Uh, I will say that um, Clemson did find a little bit of a running game last week with Shipley. I believe he had almost 130 yards. They continued to ride him. I, I don't think that, that Shipley is really built to be that every down back, and he's going to get beat up. Uh, he's going to get banged up. So I don't really know how long they can ride that. Um, but this Louisville defense is, is, is solid. Uh, I'll give them that. It's a solid defense. Uh, defense coordinator Brian Brown runs a 3-4. Um, they've been plagued by injuries like a lot of teams at this point in the season have. Lost their starting linebacker in week three. Last week's loss to NC State, they lost their top cover corner. And this was one of the top cornerbacks in the ACC. Led the ACC with 12 passes, defended, had three picks. So they've got some holes there. They're going to have a lot of youth on the back end there. Um, this defense is a little bit unique as far as 3-4 three, three, defenses go. It's not a traditional two-gap 3-4 defense. When we talk about that, most 3-4 defenses are a two-gap where you're head up on – the defensive lineman is head up on the offensive lineman, and he's playing both those gaps on either side. Louisville runs their 3-4 as more of a slant angle 3-4. They like to get in and play in the backfield a lot, like to disguise coverages a lot. I think that could give DJ a lot of trouble. It's really tough to tell when you're watching this Louisville defense if they're in a cover three, cover two, or some other sort of soft zone there. Um, but defending this Clemson team, uh, again, last week, Shipley, they seem to find a little bit of rhythm with a running game. So you've got a key on him, hit him hard, hit him early. Um, I think Clemson really wants to lo- wants to ride him. So I'm going to load the box. you got to shut down that run. Again, don't want to sound like a broken record, but I, I don't respect Clemson's passing game. Uh, I'm going to bring a lot of dummy blitz looks. And what I mean by that is I'm going to show blitz. I'm going to bring guys up confuse the protection schemes, confuse DJ, but then at the snap of the ball, drop those people into passing lanes. This is going to confuse the quarterback. Hopefully, if I'm Louisville, this is going to make him hold on to the ball longer and give my defensive line more time. It's going to also give my linebackers the ability to jump some passing lanes. But really, it's it, regardless of the running success that, that Clemson found last week with Shipley, um, I don't know how long that can hold up. And so it's really the same thing every week is load the box, make them throw on you. And I think Louisville will have some success on this Clemson offense. Yeah, I agree with that. Before we move to the, the Louisville offense here, let's talk briefly about the end of that Clemson Florida state game and you know what it meant in betting world. So if you're not somebody who gambles a whole lot, this is what is called a bad beat. So up until the final touchdown for Clemson, they were up four points, but the spread was nine and a half. So Clemson needed to win by 10 or more to cover the spread for the first time all season. Right, Thomas? Absolutely. Yep. And with a touchdown on a broken play, everybody's trying to pull the lateral uh, deal over on Florida State. 
it ends up that Clemson wins by 10, covers the spread. So if you bet that they wouldn't cover the spread or you bet against the spread, you lost. And if I'm right, it hit the over too, right, Thomas? You're right. It did push the over as well. So, if again, folks who aren't betters, they, you can bet what's called the over-under. So, they will set a combined score for the two teams and say, okay, this is what we think it's going to be. You can either pick that they're going to go over that number or under that number. And up until that second, the number was at the under. And with that touchdown, it went to the over. And holy swing of money that had to kill some folks. Like, and what I found so funny, Thomas, I happened to be watching the end of that game. And because I mean, it was, it was pretty much over. You could have easily switched to another game. The announcer 100% knew that. The announcer 100% knew that because he said, Oh, this is going to get interesting. Like, he knew, like, you know, he turned to a statistician and was like, Hey, what's the spread? What's the over under? And knew, Hey, this is, uh, this is about to make some people really happy or really upset. Yeah, yeah, it was, and I think I think early in the season, I think Vegas lost Vegas lost a lot of money on Clemson, but I think Vegas may have made a lot of that money back on this game because a lot of gamblers lost a lot of money on that game, oh, I, and Vegas just took it in. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. All right, switching back to this week, Louisville's offense hasn't been a whole lot better than Clemson's. Um, some fans in Louisville are very upset with Scott Satterfield, their head coach and play caller. Um, is he related to Marcus? I don't know. I was wondering the same thing. Just, I mean, same last if, name. If he is. He he uh, he didn't get any of Scott's uh, play calling abilities. Well, sure. I mean, neither one of them right now is calling a great game, so maybe they're not related or something. But at least Scott has some success at App State, right? Fair, 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 fair point. So Louisville's coming in losing three of their last four in their most recent game. Um, Malik Cunningham, their starting quarterback, completed 39% of his passes against NC State. That is so low. That is so low. Um, uh, That's just bad. You know, they are a gun spread-ish team. They will get into a pistol. Again, for folks who aren't familiar with that sort of uh, terminology, a pistol, if you think of a shotgun offense that you see on TV where the quarterback's back away from the center, maybe three, five yards um, and he snaps it between his legs to him. It, the shot, the pistol is just a little bit closer. Um, he might be two yards behind the center, and it just gives a little more distance for the quarterback to make some reads on some line games and stuff. They like to run the pistol. They like to run some QB read. Thomas, I noticed in this NC State game, I don't know if it was by design, like they saw something, or he's just pressing at this point. He was trying so hard to throw the deep ball. Everything was a deep pass. Just it was deep or take off and run deep and take off and run hit a few intermediate routes here and there, but really hit trying to hit the deep ball again. I don't know if they saw something in what NC state was doing, but to me, it felt like he was forcing it because I went back and looked at a game earlier in the year, some tape on that. He was hitting those check down men, hitting that swing route out of the backfield, hitting that nice little curl. That's an easy throw. But so I don't, again, I don't know if he's just, Getting feeling the heat, getting pressure, feeling pressure, and trying to make things happen. But he was just like ignoring anything that was not 12, 15 yards downfield at minimum. He did have a good running game against BC, which was uh, his best uh, game of the season. I think that was three games ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he had 133 yards rushing and three touchdowns against BC. Good showing on the ground there. You know, this is not the same offense that Lamar Jackson played in, but. Malik Cunningham has that 
dual threat look. And, you know, when Jackson was in, was at Louisville, I'm not comparing Cunningham. I do know that Cunningham, I think looks up to Jackson. It's one of the reasons he went to Louisville, but you know, when, when Lamar was there, their offense was built around him. Like he, he was the star of the show and that's what they're trying to do in Louisville here. So, you know, he's got to play well, 39% completions against a team is just not going to get the job done. Um, no matter how much they struggle on offense. So my thing is game plan this week, I am jamming it down his throat, hit the intermediate, hit the short, take the kick out. Don't try to run or go long, find the short route, find the short. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing through all curls at him. I'm throwing all slants at him. I'm throwing, you know, things to make him throw that intermediate pass. And because Clemson's going to be ready for the deep ball, because that's what he wants to do. He ended up throwing some lollipops, throwing some, um, throwing some, some deep balls that were in bad zones there, bad areas. So it ended up getting him some picks and, and putting some ball in danger a lot. Thomas, what's Clemson's defense going to do to try and try and hit him here? You're uh, you're spot on there with uh, with with those deep balls. And what I've noticed here is is a lot of a lot of those Louisville's passes now are, are longer developing. They're down the field. Uh, but what I've also noticed is the reason that they don't have those check downs and those, those kickouts in the flats, I think it's from a max protect standpoint because gotcha. most of the time they've started keeping the running back and or the tight end to stay in the block. So he doesn't have that check down in the flats. So if I'm Clemson with the front four as, as injury-laden as they've been, they're still a solid front four. I got to get pressure from them. I got to rely on my front four to get pressure. I'm going to, I'm going to put a spy on him because again, like you said, he is a solid runner, but otherwise, again, I'm sitting in quarters coverage. I'm going to keep those, that deep ball away. Um, I think Cunningham can, can cough it up against this Clemson secondary. If he's going to do some of those gunslinger throws that he likes to do. Um, So I'm not going to blitz very much. I don't want particularly with, with my linebackers, with, with Clemson, I don't want Cunningham hitting the edge and getting out there. Uh, but it's, it's a very similar game plan to what I said Clemson should do against FSU last week. Load the box, bring A-gap blitzes. But unlike last week, whenever I said they should press man on Florida State, I'm going to sit in quarters coverage here against Louisville. Um, but on those A-gap blitzes, one thing I noticed last week, Skalski – has got to do better here. I saw him get destroyed, straight yeah, up pancake with multiple a gap blitzes. Definitely, and <laughs> you that that's going to negate that's going to negate Venable's whole game plan if those linebackers are getting pancaked on those blitzes. Yep. But really, yeah, just sit back and and, and covers and quarters. Excuse me, not blitz that much, and really just want to limit that scrambling. Particularly, another reason I want to sit in zone coverage is limit that scrambling. Absolutely, keep eyes in the backfield. And, uh, you know, more eyes on him, that's the better. He is looking to run broken plays or his thing right now. All right, Thomas, uh, I think it's, you know, I, I don't know, obvious. Uh, you know, who you got here, Clemson's, uh, they got a minus four here. I, I think Clemson can get it done on the road. I, I feel like this game could be, like, ugly to watch. Um, so, I mean, I, I think Clemson wins. Uh, you know, but it could be a low scoring game, like a 2017, you know, something that's just kind of ugly, a lot of offensive drives sputtering out before the red zone type situation for both teams. What are you seeing here in this game? 
Uh, I'm going to give the edge to Louisville. I think uh, with this game being in Louisville, um, they've done pretty well defensively against the run, and their loss to NC State um, held them to like 44 rush yards, I believe. Um, but anyway, I, I think Clemson is really uh, – at least this last week was any indication. That's all they've got right now is a running game. I think Louisville can shut that down. But, again, it's going to be ugly. I agree with you. I'm looking like a 24-21, 24-17 type of game. But I'm going to give that to Louisville. All right, so we're split there. All right, going into Florida versus South Carolina. Florida is on the road. We're going to start off talking about their offense. Before I jump into that, head coach Dan Mullen is is taking some heat for his team's performance, but he's also more particularly taking some heat for a comment he made in a press conference this week. I think it was Monday. Somebody, a reporter asked him about recruiting and, you know, did he feel like they had slipped? And he said, and I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but he said something to the effect of, it's football season right now. We'll worry about coaching football. We'll recruit in the off season. And like, I think everybody was like, what? Always, always be crouting. Yeah. You always crouting dog. And like, I mean, I, I think if somebody showed that to Nick Saban, I, I imagine him like hysterically laughing, like <laughs> just like spitting out. He apparently loves a good, uh, little Debbie just spitting out his little Debbie cake and just like <laughs> dying laughing. Like, what are you talking about? Dan Mullen, like cousin Eddie, what, what is going on right now? Don't you go falling in love with her when I pull out of here next month? Like, wow, Bo. That's yeah. And it's, it's, it's one thing if, 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 if urban, when, when he was in his heyday at Florida said that or Spurrier, because they had the latitude to say that, but sure. Mullen does not have that latitude right Absolutely now. Absolutely not. Particularly with the way the season's going right now, hot potatoes of quarterbacks. You know, you and I have talked before on here about not gimmick offenses, because at this point you can't call Dan Mullen's offense the spread power zone style a gimmick. They've been doing it for years and years and years now. But the biggest thing about any offense, no matter if it's Steve Spurrier's fun and gun or cock and fire, as he called it in Columbia, you know, Mike Leach and the air raid, you know, those guys, you got to make adjustments. Defensive coordinators spend all offseason looking at this film going, how can we find a tendency? How can we find something? And I'm not saying they found a tendency. Right now, it may be players, but their offense is stuck in the mud. And, you know, Thomas, I had in here in the notes some instability at quarterback killing the team. I got the old uh, yellow highlighted double asterisk star co-host note. Thomas, tell us what, what's going on down in Gainesville. Yeah, in fact, I, I think I, I just learned this today. At least I know Monday and Tuesday of this week, Richardson did not practice as uh, it is believed that he's in concussion protocol. He did get his bell rung a little bit last week, uh, went out. And so I, I don't know his status today in practice, but I'm certainly no doctor. But if he's not practicing and he's still in concussion protocol on Wednesday, I don't see any, re- any way he can play on Saturday. Yeah, and that, I mean, that hurts them. Uh, that hurts them a lot on offense. So, you know, uh, you know, the, their backup in that point would be a true freshman, we believe. We don't have Florida's roster in front of us right in the second. So, I mean, that, that really hurts. But I think it makes my offensive game plan, I was going to suggest, even more important. You got to establish the run game. Uh, you got to establish the run game and bring the play action pass into it. Carolina has struggled this season at times with play action and then a deep ball over the top, particularly the old Steve Spurrier special 
of a bat side post. So you might roll your quarterback just a little bit off play action to the right. He sticks his foot in the ground, goes back on a deep side post on the left side there. Carolina's taken uh, taken some some big plays there or hit some had some big plays hit against them there. Um, Tennessee comes to mind a couple other times, Texas A&M. So it, it's hard to keep your eyes in a good spot on defense in there. So that's what I really would expect offense uh, for Florida to look like. Get the quarterback in the run game, get the run game going, and hit play action. That needs to be your biggest focus for the game. Thomas, how can Carolina combat that? Well, it's going to be tough, honestly. I mean, at, at this point, and, and we've mentioned it, how I, I really think the the South Carolina defense is a little gassed. But with this game, and, and you mentioned you mentioned that RPO game, one of the things I've noticed this year that Mullen has been doing a lot with Richardson, uh, he's even done it with Henry Jones as well. They even had a little bit of success with it last week in in the Georgia game is what I'm calling essentially a, a, a quarterback draw RPO. But but and this is something that Mullen we we seen him run it with with Tebow back in the day where he would take that Tebow would take the snap take two stutter steps forward mm-hmm. defense mm-hmm. sucks up and then he dumps it over the top. Yep. Well, Mullen yep. has added another wrinkle to it now where he's even doing a play action zone read. Mm-hmm. Then the quarterback's stepping up like it's a draw, and then he's dropping back and hitting a pass. Wow. I am going to blow a gasket when <laughs> South Carolina's defense bites on that fake this weekend because yep. I know they're going to bite on it. I know they are. But they gotta they gotta stay disciplined because Mullen is gonna hit you with all kind of fakes like that. So linebackers particularly have to stay disciplined. Um, I think Florida again quarterback dependent is is we're gonna see a lot of speed options on the edges from them. Got to get containment. I want to see a big game out of JJ Enigbare mm-hmm. this week. Got to set the edges there. And like we used to say all the time, you got to play assignment football, particularly in that option game. Stick with your man. Shut that down. Um, if Richardson – Richardson obviously is is who Florida wants to be the quarterback this weekend. Again, just don't know if he can go. Emory Jones, if, if he's the man, Emory Jones can be a turnover machine. And I, I, I want Jalen Foster getting a pick this game. It feels like it's been yeah. weeks and weeks since he's had a pick. And maybe it has been weeks because I haven't seen a turnover – Produce out of the South Carolina defense in a while. Maybe I'm just. Maybe no, we I'm had just, one at had one at Texas A&M. Jalen had one earlier. Ah, that's right. That's right. See, I've just I've just watched that game out of my memory. <laughs> never happened. We never went to College Station. We was just another yeah. buy. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, I hear you there. I do hear you there. You know, one thing to think about here, and this starts to happen in some of these offenses sometimes. You know, the thing about. The, the the true option, the triple option, the veer, what ended up killing that more than anything is players, offensive players didn't want to go play in it. Guys who wanted to play quarterback didn't want to go play in it. So you got to start to wonder, is that starting to hurt Dan Mullen and, and this offense? Because Tim Tebow did not have a long career in the NFL. He's probably one of the best college football players to ever play the game. I'm not disparaging the guy, but his, his, Skill set, what he learned at Florida has not, did not, uh, you know, correlate to a long, successful NFL career. Um, you know, you are seeing the advent of the running quarterback in the NFL. It's just a thought that, that I've had here lately is, is this offense getting players excited to play in it? And, and you know, that's a reasonable question at this point. And so, you know, that's just something you got to 
consider. But as we look to the other side with Carolina and their offense, um, Zeb Nolan is, well, he's hurt, or he was hurt. He had surgery on his knee and uh, scope, I believe. And, you know, we thought we knew for sure, or I thought we knew for sure coming into this week, that we were going to see the Jason Brown show. And it now is a little bit up in the air. Again, Thomas, you said this earlier, you're not a doctor, but, you know, it doesn't seem like a guy in concussion protocol can play if he was in concussion protocol as late as Wednesday. I don't know that a guy who, quote, was throwing the ball at practice is ready to go out and play against a, a live SEC defense. Not behind that offensive line, at least. Absolutely not. So I do believe we'll see the Jason Brown show. Um, I do believe he's got some things that he can do. Um, you know, if you remember back to the spring game, people were calling for him to be the guy. And we heard, you know, that, you know, he needed to learn the system. He needed this. He needed that. Get in shape. Things like that. So he is, you know, he's had a long time to, to kind of get that right. Um, so Josh Van said of him this week that you better, if you're running routes, you better be ready because he'll throw you the ball from anywhere. I kind of, I kind of like that about a quarterback. Like, Every route is real. Every route could be an opportunity. That, of course, can be dangerous, and you can end up throwing a turnover pretty quick if you're going across the field or something like that. I do like it. If it is, Jason, Marcus, I know you haven't talked to your cousin Scott in a little while, but <laughs> listen to me here. Please simplify things. I know Coach Beamer came out and said all offense isn't too complicated. I know all that, but I also saw Connor Shaw several weeks back in the state newspaper say that essentially Brand Luke Doty was running what he was running in the in Cleveland with the Cleveland Browns. That is not what needs to happen. This is definitely not needs what needs to happen if your third string quarterback is starting. You had a bye week. It's time to figure out what you're good at and go. Use power. Use counter. Use pin and pull. And then use if-then reads. We've talked about this before with fans. An if-then read is, is, is something as simple as you have a two-man route combo, two offensive players, the wide receivers are going to run a combination of routes that's going to force one player, a defensive back or a safety, to make a choice. It could be a linebacker too. They're either going to you know go deep or spread out wide or have to pick one route. And you just read that one person, whatever that person does, you throw it to the other guy. And it really can be that simple. It's got to be. And then in this situation, you tell Jason Brown, who's a decent athlete, I believe, if you can get a run, go for it. If not, throw it away. Live to play another down. And don't force it. But simplify this. For the love of Pete, don't ask this guy to <laughs> call the line plays. Don't ask this guy to shift the protection on pass pro, please, I'm begging you, don't do that to this kid. I think he's got some arm talent. Let him show it. Clear his mind of all of that and let him throw the football. Thomas, what is third and Grantham going to do that's going to exasperate Georgia, or excuse me, Florida Gator fans? <laughs> third and Grantham probably at this point needs to be uh, packing up his house and putting a for sale sign in the front yard because I don't know – uh, I, I still uh, I believe it when I see it because I think for whatever reason, uh, Dan Mullen is going to die with Ty Grantham by his side. But I digress. You mentioned earlier how um, your analysis of Clemson's offense might be the shortest one. 
this one might be my shortest one here because what does South Carolina do well on offense? Not a whole lot. Again, as I mentioned in the previous game, I don't really respect South Carolina's passing game. I'm going to load the box. Um, I think that one of the ways – I've mentioned this before that Todd Grantham likes to – or, or, or sometimes has his linebackers sucked too far inside and they're vulnerable to the edges and they're vulnerable to those swing passes and those screen passes out in the flats. Um, I, I think hopefully as a South Carolina fan, admittedly that, that we'll see some of that. I think South Carolina will try to attack some of those edges. So I got to spread my linebackers out a little bit. They don't have a whole lot of speed there either at the second level. Um, so really, I'm, I'm loading the box. I'm going to spread out my linebackers. I want to make South Carolina beat me through the air, particularly if it is Jason Brown. You've got a young guy in there who's never started in a big SEC game like this. So, but honestly, it's, uh, I hate I hate to say this, but there's there's not a whole lot that Florida really needs to do to shut down this offense until they show me something. I agree, and, and that kind of brings me to one point before we move to talk college uh, college playoff rankings here. You know, there's been rumors flying around the internet, and I think it may have been in the newspaper, I'm sure it's been on Sports Talk Radio, that the administration at the University of South Carolina is getting concerned and a little bit of frustration about fan turnout. The Vanderbilt game, uh, last home game, was the lowest attendance, I think, since the early 90s. Uh, 1993 uh, was what I think I read. So, you know, here's the thing. We said it once before. Some changes may need to be made on this offensive staff. You and I both feel like it does. To be honest with you, I would have understood and supported making changes uh, the Sunday before the, the bye week and put new guys in place on staff and reassign and roll to show these guys, hey, we got accountability in our program. I understand that's probably hasty on my part, but there is, and then there's the other piece, recruiting. You know, if I'm an offensive player right now, quarterback or otherwise, what about this Carolina offense is making me say, I want to go there. Uh, I, I want to play football in Columbia. And, you know, if I'm a defensive player, you know, Thomas, you mentioned that our defense is probably getting to where they're a little fed up. You know, again, why do you, you know, I, I think our defensive scheme and the way they get to play, they love it. They're excited. They're running around making big hits, turnovers. I'd love to play on that defense, but you got to think they're looking and going, yeah, but the offense can't score more than 14 points a game. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I, I don't know. So, I mean, God, you know, that's a decision maybe for another week, but something's going to have to change. Um, I guess – you know, it's kind of a foregone conclusion here. Uh, who you got? Uh, I, 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 it's Florida, even with their their issues at quarterback. They may not cover the eighteen point spread that it is right now, but they. I, I don't know that this game is in question at this point. Uh, Thomas, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Now, don't don't forget a, a fun a fun stat here for you. The last eight meetings between Florida and South Carolina have been decided by 14 or fewer points. Okay. That's, okay. that's kind of impressive. Um, but so, uh, yeah, um, it, it's, it's Florida here. I don't think that they'll cover, uh, cover the spread. I don't know what it's at now. I know it was at 19 earlier in the week. Um, but, yeah, Florida's going to take this one. I'm looking like a 31-17 type of game. Yeah, I, I, 
I mean, listen, I'd love to be wrong. I know you would love to be wrong, but at this point, I, I haven't seen anything that's told me in eight weeks that either one of us is. Um, now, if if South Carolina does find a horseshoe and wins this game, does Mullen survive another week? You know, speaking of changes there, uh, I, you go out and lose to South Carolina that has looked <laughs> – dead on arrival on offense for weeks and you find a way to lose that ball game granted your quarterback might be hurt yada yada ah yeah because let's call it like it is injured quarterback fine carolina if jason brown's the guy and goes the whole game or even if other guys come in you're talking about your third string quarterback Mm -hmm. and you know you lose to the third string quarterback of an offense that, by the way, we are not dead last in scoring in the SEC. Vanderbilt is. Um, so, hey, thanks, Vanderbilt. Fantastic. Um, we'll talk about how this Missouri game next week could be a regulation game if, if this was European football. Um, but that will be next week's conversation. But, yeah, I mean, I, Dan, they may, pull, they, may, they may pull Elaine Kiffin at Southern Cal and be like, nah, Dan. <laughs> You don't need to get back on the airplane, dude. Uh, just yeah. just stick around. Uh, Make sure you got that Uber app on your phone. Yeah. I heard I heard Spurrier is coming to town to watch the game. You may want to see if he'll give you a ride uh, back to Gainesville because we're not <laughs> doing it. Um, all right. So in lieu of our game of the week, we're going to spend a little bit of time here talking about the college football playoff rankings. Thomas, just off the top of your head, what are your initial thoughts? Initial thoughts. Uh, I think that there's a lot of people that are that are that are upset at Bama at being number two, right or wrong. I think at least I, I probably speak for the both of us. We knew that they were going to be at two because they're Bama. But, you know, brand recognition means a lot with this committee, right or wrong. It does, um, and Bama is who they are. Um, there's some other questionable things in there, uh, but once when we really get into it. I really want to dig into uh, Cincinnati, and I know you're going to touch on them later, but I really want to dig in to, uh, to their path sitting just outside at number six. And, and if I can, just I don't want to go through all of them, but just for our listeners that maybe not have seen them, I'm going to go one through ten here, just, yeah. just who the teams are. Smart. So sitting at one, Georgia, number two is Alabama, three, Michigan State, four, Oregon, five, Ohio State, six, Cincinnati, Seven, Michigan, eight, Oklahoma, nine, Wake Forest, and number 10 is Notre Dame. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So, you know, my biggest takeaway here is now I, I, I hear you, brand recognition, SEC. But if, the, if, this, if this committee ever wanted to give fuel to the fire of SEC biased, <laughs> Bama being number two is all anybody needed. Now, they're a good football team. I'm not saying they aren't. I'm not saying they don't deserve to at least be in the top four. But to be honest with you, I probably have them at four. Um, but that notwithstanding, you know, there's just some things here that don't make a lot of sense to me. Um, and we're going to talk about it. You mentioned I'm going to talk about Cincinnati. You're going to talk about Wake. They Them being nine just doesn't make sense. Here's my biggest thing here is why, you know, just say out loud that this is a power five conference thing. 
like for yeah. Cincinnati, like just say it out loud. The like, power five invitational. Yeah, it's the five, it's the power five and then the rest of you guys. Because at this point, why not just say that? Because now granted, we we've still got four weeks. Maybe they said, hey, let's see what they do. They they're six, they can jump in easy. But and we'll get into that in just a second. But that just that stands out to me as a what are you talking about moment. Um, you know, way all the way down at the bottom, I'm just going to hit on this real quick. Texas San Antonio probably deserved to be ranked maybe in the top 25. They're undefeated. Um, they, you know, they're not playing a big time schedule, but they deserve it. <clears throat> I, I'm just going to say that out loud. So Thomas, what we're going to do is you and I are each going to take a two minute stand here and i'm gonna set a timer i'll go first so you can kind of learn from my mistakes but um we're going to talk about one team a piece and who we think that team should be now before we get into that let me digress for just a second thomas you and i have talked pre-show we agree that if there was a team we were going to remove from the top four to be replaced by the two teams we're talking about here you and i both feel that team's oregon absolutely yes and yes I know they've lost one game, and I know they beat Ohio State. They lost to Stanford. Oh, a bad, a bad three and five Stanford team. This is not a good Stanford team. Like, there's bad losses and there's good losses. Like, you know that 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 blows me away. Like how they are at four. I could understand if if you had only a few undefeateds and everybody else is two losses. Like, sure, but like, nah, like. You lost to Stanford. It was a bad, bad loss. I know you beat Ohio State in Ohio State at the horseshoe. I get it. But that's just – that doesn't make any sense. So, with that all being said, I'm going to lead us off here. I'm going to talk about Cincinnati. And I'm starting the timer now. Here we go. Cincinnati. They are undefeated, Thomas. Like, they, they have a schedule. They've played it, and they're undefeated. But we're taking a, an Oregon team over this that has lost a bad game like we just talked about. Yes, they struggled. Cincinnati struggled against Navy. People have struggled against these triple option teams in the past. And again, what does Cincy need to do? Right At this point in the season, when you look at everybody else's schedule, minus Georgia and Alabama, who else has this super tough schedule that's undefeated or even has one loss? To me, this is just a total disrespect. And that's why I say... Like, let's just go ahead and call this what it is. It's a power five conference thing. They're nine and oh, I believe. And, you know, other than that struggle against Navy, yeah, they started off bad against Tulsa last week, but they ended up winning by 20 something points. What exactly are, message are you sending right now? I mean, this is a team, they're eight and oh, not nine and oh, excuse me. This is a team that's literally beat everybody on their schedule. You know, they, they are trying to change conferences and move up in the ranks a little bit, but. They can't do anything else. This takes us back to the BCS era where you had bad wins and you had to look good in your wins. And I just, I thought that's what we were trying to get away from. I understand we're expanding the playoffs next year or in two years it might be, and that's all well and good, but that's not where we are right now. I, I, I feel like this committee is really doing a disservice to teams like Cincinnati they have been knocking on the door, knocking on the door, knocking on the door, and continuously are left out. You think about those Central Florida teams of the past. Give this chance. It is, it is the first 
ranking, so there's still a couple weeks to go. But at this point, it's just a bad beat. Oregon doesn't belong in there. Give Cincy what they deserve. Well done. Well done, sir. All right. So, Thomas, that's my argument for Cincinnati. You're going to get two minutes. You don't have to use the whole two. Don't feel like you have to. Uh, I'll give you a 30-second warning, a one-minute check, a 30-second check, and you're going to make the argument, I believe, for Michigan. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. I, I did a little switcheroo. I'm going with Michigan here. All right, Michigan. All right, I want to give you a countdown, and the floor is yours. Three, two, one, go. Thank you, and I don't even need two minutes because this is going to be an easy case for me to make here. This is absurd that Michigan is at seven with one loss. One loss to, again, Michigan State, who is sitting at number three right now. A 37-33, a four-point loss in a slugfest rivalry game. That is, you mentioned earlier, there are bad losses and good losses. Nobody likes to lose. We don't like to lose. But that right there is a good loss. That is a loss to a quality, quality opponent here. Yet, the committee puts Oregon ahead of them. Oregon, who, as you mentioned, lost to 3-5 and five Stanford, barely beat 3-5 and five Cal, and barely beat a just over 500 team in UCLA. The Pac-12 is garbage. Besides Oregon, no team in the Pac-12 with fewer than three losses. That is terrible. Michigan has a better resume. Oregon does not need to be in there. I don't like making a case for a Harbaugh team like this. I'm not a Harbaugh <laughs> fan, but I'm being objective here. I'm looking at facts, and the fact that Michigan is all the way down at number seven is criminal, and they should be in over Oregon. Very case good. Very, very good. You came in there at 115 and made a good case. Now, I mean, here's the thing, Thomas. Let's say, let's say, and and fans, we'll, we maybe throw, we'll might throw something up on Twitter where you can vote and tell us who you think deserves it over Oregon, Cincinnati, or Michigan. But let's say for a second that Bama goes to the SEC championship, beats Georgia. You and I have had that conversation before. So Bama and Georgia both finished the year eleven and one. Let's say Michigan State wins out in the regular season, goes and Michigan wins out in the regular season. And so now you got a Michigan State, Michigan Big Ten game. Is that possible? Yeah, yes. Yeah, I think so. I I need to confirm that, but I think so. So Michigan, Michigan State, Big Ten title game. Let's make sure that's a possibility. Let's pretend it is for the sake of argument and and not having dead air. If that happens – so let's say Michigan gets their revenge in the Big Ten championship. So you got eleven and one Georgia, eleven and one Alabama, eleven and one Michigan, and eleven and one Michigan State. Who gets left out? Sorry, uh, breaking news here. Just just confirmed. Oh, they're 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 both in the East. So yeah, that's not possible. They're okay. gonna cannibalize themselves. In a, in a perfect world, that could have happened, but it can't happen. All right. So, but even now, can I realize that Ohio State and Michigan can't play in the Big Ten. Can Ohio State and Michigan State play in the championship? Uh, I thought you would know uh, what side Ohio State. No, they're in the East as well. <laughs> All right, so they're going to take each other out. So that's not even yeah. a, that's not even a that's not even a hypothetical. All right, guys, sorry there. All right, so but you know you got Bama and Georgia in there right now. So I guess the better hypothetical that actually makes sense now is 
let's say Georgia runs the table and beats Bama at the SEC championship, that drops Bama all the way out. And yeah. you, know, you just said Michigan State, Ohio State, and Michigan are going to cannibalize each other. So one of those teams gets in. So let, for the sake of argument, so let's say right now it's undefeated. Michigan State runs the table, miracle season, wins the Big Ten. So now you've got Georgia, Michigan State, and then I guess at that point in that scenario, does Cincinnati get in then? And I, I just I, – I, I don't – they again it goes back to our comment earlier is it just the big the 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 power five um invitational like it, it shouldn't be this hard and i i understand i think i actually argued early in the year that the playoff expansion is too big and i, I do feel like they jumped the shark a little bit there they could have started a little smaller but it is there is reason to to me to have six teams and this is it right here get your four I mean, to me, take your power five champions and one at large bid. And then, yeah. you know, from there, your top two seeds get a buy, you know, uh, three, four, the, the last four teams play each other. Winners of those games play the top two seeds, so on and so forth. But it just is craziness that uh, what we're looking at now, we all know, I think if we look back over the years of the college playoff rankings, they tend to do this in the first ranking. I, I think it's a made-for-TV thing that Absolutely. we're falling yeah. for right here that they kind of give you this and then they want you to come back for next week and, and they kind of write the ship. But, um, you know, it, it's just interesting. Um, I, I If Cincinnati runs the table, which I think they will at this point, and does it fairly convincingly, I, I feel like they deserve to get into the playoffs but it's just I think it's going to take a lot of guys tripping over themselves for that to happen. Yeah, and I think they're I think they're going to need some help um, because the best case scenario for Cincinnati is is a thirteen and zero Georgia, a thirteen and zero Michigan State, and a thirteen and zero Oklahoma, and nobody else finishes with few fewer than two regular season losses. Like that, there's that's a lot of dominoes that have to fall their way. Um, but you know, I, I just and. It, for that to happen, I just I, I don't know. I, Cincinnati is 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 playing good football, and you know everybody likes to say that you know j- just went out and everything will take care of itself. But not today, not not in this day and age of college football playoffs. Um, I think they're going to have to get a lot of help. So honestly, if I'm Cincinnati fans, much like if I was a Wake fan, I'm just going to hope for uh, just to win out, go to a good bowl, and um, and just consider it a success. And see, here's the thing with with Cincinnati. One last thing before we move on and, and wrap us up. You know, their big win so far is is Notre Dame. Notre Dame's remaining schedule is Navy at Virginia, Georgia Tech at NC State, or excuse me, at Stanford, mighty Stanford. Um, so, I mean, even if they went out, it's one of those things where your strength of schedule, I know, comes into play. If your big wins, Notre Dame. Now, if Notre Dame goes and loses one of those games, that really hurts Cincinnati because that's your marquee win. Um, but if they go and, and run the table, I don't know. I just feel like the Bearcats deserve to get in. It's why we watch college football. It's why we love it. It's why we want to keep watching it. And uh, we will be back to talk about it more next week. Thomas, great as always, my friend. Uh, we are the slightly above average football podcast. 
You know our socials. It's at SAA football fan, at SAA football fan on Twitter and on uh, Instagram. And we are slightly above our football fan podcast page on Facebook. Thomas, say goodbye to the people. Here's to a good weekend. And in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. There you go. See you, everyone.